You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Magdal, reminding you you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On WBB. And of course, make sure you are following the next. We are a 24-7 women's basketball newsroom, making sure that diverse young voices who cover the game have the opportunity to do it all the time. And one of the people we find ourselves covering in just about every way you can imagine is Elizabeth Williams, the uh, center with the Atlanta Dream. Well, we call you a center. Are we calling you a 4-5? What, what are we calling you these days? How are you defining it? Uh, I'd say 4-5, yeah. I think that's fair. Oh, and, and we'll get to that in a minute because there's some really interesting lineups that I know Nikki Collin is looking at including that involve you working out of the center, that involve you working next to Kalani Brown. But let's get first to the brilliant work that you and your colleagues on the executive committee have done, putting together a plan for the season. And I guess I just want to get a sense from you. I've, I spoke to Neko Gumake about this a couple of days ago. For her, it was an evolution in terms of getting to a comfort level with even resuming the season at all, just as an individual player. I'm wondering what that's been like for you, purely from before we get into everything else, the health and safety for yourself and what your thought process has been like. Yeah, um, I mean, I was one of those people that once, um, basically once my season ended overseas, um, because of COVID, I like immediately took it as probably as seriously as you could, like mm-hmm. did the whole self quarantine, um, really minimized like how much contact I had with other people. Um, so once the idea that we could still have the season came up, like of course, like was a big part of it. Um, but I also understood that the league's not gonna you know, create a scenario that's going to jeopardize the health and safety of its players too. So it was cool to be on the EC and kind of be in the middle of, you know, creating this plan and these negotiations because like, I obviously understood um, how important the health and safety aspect of all this is. It, It strikes me that the element of trust there that was built through the recent CBA may well have helped. If you look at some of the leagues that are struggling to do this, you know, Major League Baseball hasn't had a CBA coming together in many years. Do you think that having just worked on such a large scale set of changes together made it easier for league and players alike to come together on this? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, I think having Kathy kind of spearheading everything and you know her determination to create something that is you know not only a good business model but a sustainable business model. Um, I think having her leadership on the league side and then obviously having Carrie and and the rest of the union staff and the EC um, being willing to come together. I think that you know carried over into these negotiations too because. Mm-hmm. You know, historically, there's always been kind of that level of mistrust between the players and the league. And again, it's like you said, because we were able to kind of develop that trust in these last negotiations, I think that that ultimately helped the the league and the owners feel more comfortable in, in making decisions from now. Now, you spoke about finding your comfort with health and safety 
as part of this discussion. It strikes me that this group of people on the EC is almost comically talented when you look at the variation, not just of uh, abilities that you're bringing to the moment, but the fact that there's a variation of experience that goes along with it. So, you know, Nick is talking about Laser Clarendon's ability to be able to connect to people in advocacy spaces and people who are going to help with the social justice platform and build it out. You, of course, come from a medical background with, uh, for my listeners who, who may not know, uh, your mom is a nurse and your father is a doctor. And you've told me that you would have gone to medical school if not for, you know, that unfortunate thing that you're very, very good at basketball. And I guess I wonder whether you were looked at in that way and whether you, you felt almost like the, the eyes of the other players in the EC were upon you as these things were being hammered out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sue kind of jokes and calls me Dr. Williams when we have our calls because, like, I totally know what's going on on the medical side and, and ask as many questions as possible. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's a really unique group in having, like, Lay the activist <laughs> and me, like, the medical person. Mm-hmm. And you've got Shanae who's more, like, you know, with the ESPN, like, that side, the broadcast side. Like, we literally have a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and I think for the players, too, it's nice to know that, there's that type of balance in the EC. Like you're not just dealing with, you know, just like superstar players or whatever. Sure. Like we all have our kind of unique focuses that to help like all the players and the league make the best decision. You think it's fair to say that if you had not found a level of comfort with health and safety, that this probably wouldn't have gone forward? Um, I mean, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that just from an individual level. I don't think anyone, especially on REC, <laughs> would would agree to this if we didn't find some level of comfort in, in some of the health and protocols. And we were fortunate to be able to actually talk to the doctors directly and mm-hmm. ask them questions. Um, and so, like, I think even having that level of communication has been really important. And again, like nothing's perfect. Like this is a super fluid situation. I mean, you watch the news and you learn something new the next day. So um, I think we do understand that and understand the openness, but just like having a plan to the best of our ability as well has been really crucial. When you are evaluating that, and so when I spoke to Kathy about this, what she said was there is a certain level of overall coronavirus positives in the state of Florida, in the county where you guys are, in Bradenton, that would make you guys consider alternative sites, alternative scenarios. What are the ways in which you're looking to evaluate it? Is it from that perspective? Is it once you guys get there and looking at what, if anything, God forbid, happens to individuals there, if there's a positive test? I just wonder what, what are the benchmarks in your own mind for a thing that, like you said, is this moving target and has so many unknowns for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I think part of why we chose IMG over Vegas was the health and safety factor. Like, we just felt like it's more of that, like, bubble, I guess you would mm-hmm. say, than Vegas where, like, people can just, like, go off to the strip and then, oh, it's that. Like, at least... You know, with IMG, like it's gated, there's a little more security and a little more that you can do in a large outdoor space. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that was I think that was like one of the big deciding factors. So so that when if there is a spike in cases, you know, in Florida or what may have you, we still feel like a, a greater level of protection. All makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, and then the other aspect of broad agreement, and I, I know was key for, for the executive committee as well, <laughs> was making sure that playing would enhance the social justice movement that we are seeing in this country right now and not obscure it. And so when you think about it in those terms, what does that look like to you as you start to conceive of it and, you know, both you individually and you as the group to make sure that every time there's a game, that every time there's a week forward in the season, that there's a movement forward for causes that extend well beyond basketball here and, and, and questions that have long played this country, frankly. Yeah, I mean, that was honestly like after, you know, health and safety and like once we started to negotiate these terms, I mean, that was one of the biggest concerns was, you know, we're obviously in this pandemic with the virus, but we're also dealing with seeing these racial injustices like more and more and more. Um, and so for us, you know, especially like, like I said, Lay's kind of our, <laughs> our activist person, but, mm-hmm. um, we've talked about having a player council, um, that involves, you know, reps from the league as well as like the team level. Um, and just being able to engage everyone because this is a really, it's going to be a unique time where we actually do have all 12 teams in one place. Um, and so the ability to amplify those voices, I think, is going to be really cool and unique. And even the fact, like, that other sports leagues are playing in their respective bubbles, like, being able to, whether it's, like, virtually via Zoom or whatever, being able to, like, have these conversations um, and have activists that are fully aware and um, communicated with, like, on a consistent basis, I mm-hmm. think that's going to be... It's a really cool thing to be able to do. Is there, um, is, is so there a, a, I'm sorry, no, please go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I know there are like a lot of ideas swirling and I know the league has also been pretty open about letting this be player led, you know, mm-hmm. and not having them control everything. And I think that's going to also make kind of a unique um, experience in activism too. I mean, it's so different. It's, it's almost inconceivable from the perspective of 2016 to see where the league yeah. is now, right? I, even if we leave out how much growth, how much change there's been in the country as a whole, in the world as a whole, just the fact that a league that tried to find you four years ago as players for yeah. expressing yourselves in minimal ways, if, you know, if, if, if we're looking at it, you know, the wearing of a shirt, um, and and, yeah. and making that statement was was a bridge too far, even that was, for the lead. I, I guess the thing I wonder, and, and maybe there's not an answer to this until it happens, but because it's all so new, I wonder what success looks like, right? You know, success on a broad scale, I, I think we know what that means, that um, people are no longer being murdered for the color of their skin. 
I, I, I understand that. Right. I guess I wonder what success feels like on a lead platform level for you guys this summer and, and how you evaluate it. Well, I think part of it, too, is like as a league of black women, a lot of the stories that aren't heard are about black women. Like we hear constantly about stories of black men. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for us, kind of the idea of say her name and you know promoting that with our platform is going to be huge it's like you know Stewie posting the black lives matter on the court you know maybe it does say her name or something like that um to kind of amplify that you know our not only our black voices are heard but our black female voices are heard it's a huge moment a huge opportunity and and it strikes me as something that the wnba players are in a unique position to do something about. So I, I certainly am grateful uh, to see it and and excited for what you guys have ahead. Uh, there, there are other more mundane concerns, obviously, that go into the months ahead. And, you know, one of them are just, there's a quarantine issue. There's something that is perhaps more familiar to WNBA players who have had to play overseas and had to have that experience where your life, and I don't don't have to tell you, but for my listeners who may not know, is a a practice, you're in uh, in your residence, you play a game, and that's about it in a lot of the remote corners of where overseas basketball is played. So there's a similarity there, I would think, as well. This does seem like it's a step beyond. Is that what it feels like to you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely past that. Um, it's, what's your closest yeah, overseas experience to it, I wonder? Like, what's your, what's, your, what's your closest overseas parallel to it? Like, what was what's the closest you've come to what you've come to understand, you know, this experience is about to be? I would say China, mm-hmm. because, um, well, for the players that choose to live in the hotel, like, you live in a hotel in China. So, um, so you kind of have to navigate like the food and you're not really going to many places outside of practicing games just because like the language barrier is so extreme. Like Mm -hmm. you can't really read signs or anything like that. Uh, um, so if I were to like compare it, it would probably be there. Cause even like Russia, you like, you have your driver and you can kind of go to other places. Right. But in China, it's pretty it's pretty limited, especially when you're in the smaller cities, um, to where you can go. So you're just kind of chilling in your room. <laughs> do you do you think I'm right that the WNBA players, by virtue of so many of you guys having played overseas, are almost uniquely ready to handle a bubble situation that, frankly, other teams, other leagues may struggle with? Yeah, I, I actually I do. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we joke about it all the time. Like, well, this is kind of like overseas, you know. Like, we'll figure it out. And honestly, since we're all in the bubble, that's like a step up. (laughs) You know, like having friends and like being able to socialize and obviously being able to still feel like you're doing something with the like the advocacy and activism. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I think um, we do kind of have a unique leg up. Do you have do you have a plan for the way to stay 
uh, sane, I guess, for lack of a better phrase. Like, what are what are your what are your coping mechanisms for what to do here? Is are there going to be uh, you, you know uh, games that you guys come up with? Will there be leads? Will there be you know things of that sort? Or are you someone who needs to retreat to a book in order to do that? I'm just wondering what what your process is like for that. Um, I mean, shoot, if we could have like the NBA stuff, like having like a 2K lounge and like stuff <laughs> like that. But for me personally, um, like I like doing puzzles, reading books. Um, I think it'll be nice that we have outdoor space, mm -hmm. um, and like the tennis courts and like the golf courts, whatever. Um, because I think we really would kind of go stir crazy in Vegas. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think from what I understand, the league is trying to create a good experience for us with like a player lounge and and basically like just different experiences for us so we're not just feeling like we're stuck in our rooms. Um, like I personally can, can do it myself and not other people need a little more sure. interaction. So. Oh, and, and now I don't believe the NBA has access to the Disney World rides either. But I wonder if that would be something appealing to you. Are you a an amusement park person? Oh, uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not huge in amusement. Like I'll go, but <laughs> I feel like I'm not the age where it's like super fun. Like now, I'd be like, ooh, it's hot. Like I'm tired of walking around. Um, but I don't know if the NBA guys even. I don't know how many of them are super. I know that yeah, the Lopez brothers are, but yeah. <laughs> there are some. There's there's some big Disney folks, but how this all plays out will be fascinating. But you're right. That having the outdoor space has to has to matter. I'm sure. And then you guys get an opportunity to build together, right? Like you said, you know, there's this sort of teamwork, this camaraderie that comes into play. It's almost a larger opportunity to do that. The way it's laid out, where you guys are going to be in market for a while and then have the opportunity to have an extended camp together for a team that has a lot of new pieces. Does it strike you as almost a better process than what you typically have had in the WNBA preseason where it's players coming back gradually, some even after the season has started? Yeah, I think that'll actually be, it'll probably be like the first time where it's felt like training camp was an even playing field for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's like you said, players are coming overseas. I'm usually one of the people that comes super late um, and misses some days at camp. Yeah. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how different coaches can kind of navigate having a full training camp with their full rosters from day one. Um, and I think players will enjoy it too because it's you don't feel like there's constantly shifting and changing. Um so, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to, to that aspect of camp. It's a window, really, into what you guys negotiated uh, back in the winter, right? It's This is the idea behind making sure that the W is getting the priority and making sure that there's this gradual phase-out of players missing time overseas before coming back. Is, is that akin to getting almost an advanced look on the agreement you guys came to and seen what it would be like to have that come to fruition? Well, I guess in, your, in a sense you're right. Um, because it's like, well, if you you decide and you commit to not playing overseas, like, 
this is what you know for the training camp could look like, and this is what your you know your whole season um, calendar could look like. Sure. Um, so yeah, I guess. It's it's fascinating and really going to be interesting to see what you guys look like and and on the court too. And I would be remiss not to talk about it because the dream, to my mind, have done some really interesting things this off season. And so I'm going to start, if you'll forgive me, by uh, by delving into the numbers a little bit, which is that last year, mm-hmm. if you go by block percentage, uh, Kalani Brown was fourth in the WNBA and you were 10th in the WNBA. So you're going to be throwing defensively at opponents, uh, rim protection like really we're not seeing anywhere else. Uh, And I guess I wonder two parts to that. One is on the defensive end, what do you you think? Just opponents will have to settle for mid-ranges, just take threes alone, uh, because obviously they're not coming at the rim uh, for either of you. And then on the offensive end, I just wonder how you see your games at the times that Nikki throws you both in at the same time. I know there'll be lineups with one or the other. How uh, those will come together in your mind? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, for me personally, something that I've been working on is, is my shooting. Um, and so having, I mean, Kalani has consistently kind of hit that moving shot. But if I'm playing the floor offensively, then um, I have to be able to, to stretch the floor as well. Mm-hmm. So for me, like that's something that I've worked on. And I think for Nikki too, like that helps her in kind of, how she wants to plan us playing together. But at the same time, like if I, you know, like if I pop and Kalani rolls, like that's, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, um, and, and vice versa. So like for me, I think for the team to be successful with what Nikki wants to do, um, you know, shooting consistently has been a big, big thing that I want to work on. Well, and so every time we talk about it, it's your numbers have gotten better from the mid-range every single year of your career and you have been from the start incredibly efficient at the rim so unlocking that especially unlocking it like you said in a way where you and Kalani both offer that opportunity to either like um, rim run or do the opposite it seems like a very dangerous thing for opponents to be able to handle especially because there's very few you know maybe Vegas can throw Asia and Liz at you but there are very few who can match size defensively in order to yeah. keep you from getting to where you want to go on the court since we last saw you play what how much better do you think you are at that shot how far how comfortable are you uh, at the mid-range now has your range expanded in that sense yeah i would say it's a lot better um i mean i think my form is a lot better that's kind of where it started um i mean obviously you can't really tell until the game started but even when I was overseas, it was unfortunate because I had my best game, um, like right before mm-hmm. we had to leave. Except, you know, it felt better, and, and I was just playing more consistently. So it, I've just tried to to grow from that. When this season is conceived of in your mind, I wonder: Do you visualize it? And how strange is it to try to visualize it at this remote? court where there are no fans it's just a very different experience i would imagine than something you've ever experienced in basketball how do you prepare for that emotionally intellectually you know alongside all of the physical preparation that goes into playing at this high level 
Yeah, so I actually played one game without fans in Turkey, um, and that was strange. <laughs> it was actually our regular game against Gala, so that game's usually crazy packed, crazy loud, with like security everywhere. Um, and then was this right before the shutdown? Out. Is that why it was without fans? Yeah, yeah, it was right before okay. they right before the Turkish league was canceled. So. Um, yeah, it was really odd, and you obviously, like, we still prepare the same way, like, you still warm up the same way, um, so you still try to keep that, like, vibe and stuff, but it's just without fans, so, like, when certain things happen in a game, that usually would garner a reaction, like, the reaction might be from the bench, <laughs> or, like, or the staff or the athletic trainer, because you can actually hear them this, during that time. Right. But otherwise, like, there's really nothing else. So I think that's probably the biggest adjustment that players will, like, feel and notice is, like, in a sort of heated moment. Mm -hmm. There's not that extra, like, reaction. (laughs) Who do you think fans, because I asked Nikki about this the other day, and about being mic'd up, and, you know, she talked about the fact that, you know, essentially everyone's going to be able to hear everything on these broadcasts. So... Mm-hmm. Purely from a WNBA observer perspective, who is the player who fans are going to enjoy hearing talk the most? Just the ambient noise of the in-game that we typically wouldn't get to hear. Absolutely. Who's that? <laughs> she talks. Court. Yes. Yeah. She's she a. Talks, she's like, consistent. Like. <laughs> And now, yeah. and now you get to hear her talking consistently on your side, which would obviously be yeah. a potential competitive advantage when there are no fans. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. true. Although, strangely, not not Courtney Williams' father. Not not yet, anyway. We'll have to ramp up <laughs> and get to that. So I'm, I'm going to leave you with this question, and it's, it's more of a challenge than anything else, because I, I received a, uh, a list of Vegas odds of teams over unders and they had atlanta 12th out of 12th i understand last year was a struggle but this is also a very different atlanta team and a lot of things didn't go right that typically would have gone right the over under is six out of 22 wins or out of 22 games six wins how much do you expect to beat that by Um, gosh, I mean, we're going to win more than six games, I I believe. Um, you and me both. I don't know the exact number, though. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not looking to put you on a, on the spot to guarantee a title or anything like that, but, but way off, it's fair to say. The, the Vegas will be eating its words. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they're close at all. I don't think they're close either. Well... Elizabeth Williams, always a pleasure to chat with you about any and everything. Um, Glad you are safe and sound. Wishing you all the best and looking forward to covering you in an actual season very, very soon. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it.